Dear Father, thank you for that prayer that was just sung for us. We, we prayed it with them. We want this Jesus. We, we need this Jesus. As we go to his word, these few moments we have, let his voice through the, through the Holy Spirit speak to all of our hearts. We pray in his name. Amen. I'm going to share a picture with you in just a moment, not yet. It's from the news. You'll know the story, but you won't recognize the face. But I need to segue where the choir and the orchestra, the selected string ensemble, where they've taken us. It makes me think about a generation, the last generation on earth, the last generation of God's friends. So I want to, I want to read a line from Revelation chapter 14. Would that be all right? And then I'll, I'll share that picture with you. Revelation chapter 14. There'll be a generation at the end of time that will pray the prayer, give me Jesus, give me Jesus, please, when I come to die, when I'm all alone, it doesn't matter, give me Jesus. So this is Revelation 14. We're not going to put it on the screen, so you got a tablet, you got a phone, you got a Bible, that would be something. Uh, pull the pew Bible out if you wish, but just uh, Revelation 14, and then I looked, and there before me, this is verse 1. Revelation 14, verse 1, and I'm in the NIV. Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion. The Lamb, of course, is code language in the apocalypse for the crucified, buried, risen, ascended in the heavenly temple and soon coming Christ Jesus. Then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. This is God's last generation of friends on earth. Twelve disciples, so they take the number 12 and they square to get 144 and times 1,000 just to make it a big number, 144,000, symbolic number. But these are God's last friends on earth, just before Jesus comes. He comes a little later in the chapter here. So I saw him standing with these who have his name and his father's name written on their foreheads, verse 3, and they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. They had been through a chapter of human history that will never be replicated, will never be repeated, never has happened yet. This will be the one generation that goes through that chapter. Now, verse 4. I want you to catch this line about the second sentence in verse 4. They follow the Lamb wherever He goes. Whoever they are, they, they follow the Lamb wherever He goes. They, they're followers of Christ. In fact, they're described again in verse 12. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep His commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. So they follow the Lamb. They're followers. God's last generation of friends on earth. So what's that have to do with this picture? Well, let me show you the picture. I'm going to put a picture on the screen for you. You won't recognize the face. Oh, you might. Oh, you might. I want to pull the picture out so that it makes sure that you have the right. Yeah, okay, you do know this. You know who that is, don't you? Yes, that's the president of the United States, Barack Obama. Standing beside him is an unknown gentleman at the time. You remember Nelson Mandela died just a few weeks ago. Universally 
admired as, as, a, as the great leader of the Republic of South Africa. And so, shortly after his death, the most powerful leaders on earth all gathered in a soccer stadium in Johannesburg, South Africa. And one by one, they stepped up to the little lectern, to the podium, to pay tribute to this beloved leader. And beside them was this gentleman who, is, who was a, sign, a, a deaf interpreter, a hearing impaired interpreter. And he was just going through a... <laughs> Obama, he says, fine, let him interpret away. They went through the entire morning program, and only afterwards they found out this man was a fake. He, didn't, he doesn't know a single word of, of sign language. Can you believe it? He was going through all the motions, pretending to be somebody he was not. Or to put it another way, the man wasn't who he was pretending to be. This is a moment out of the news. But I, I, I look at the story and I say, oh boy, Dwight, is that you? Going through all the motions, having everybody faked out. But you aren't who you're letting on to be. You got the motions down. They don't make any sense when you really watch. But you have them fooled. Could that be me? Could that be you? Pretending to be something we are not. My friend Steve Yeagley gave me... Uh, an essay from a book entitled Beyond Well-Being, Spirituality, and Human Flourishing. He gave me a bunch of essays from the book, so I read them over the holiday. Here's a, here's a piece written by Stuart Devonish. And these words caught my attention. I'll put them on the screen for you. Every Christian generation has produced two kinds of Christians, the common, ordinary garden variety, and those who have discovered the deeper life. Some call this deeper life entire sanctification. Others call it the baptism with the Spirit. Whatever the label, it reflects a deep experience of Christ-likeness, reflected in a Spirit-directed, disciplined lifestyle and demonstrated in redemptive action in our world, end quote. Now, did you catch that line? Let me, let me repeat it. A deep experience of Christ-likeness. Come on, 144,000. These, the, these are last generation of friends on earth. And what is their experience? A deep experience of what do we just read? They follow the Lamb wherever He goes. A deep experience of Christ-likeness. They aren't fakes. They're not just going, they're not pretending to go through the motions. They're the real deal. And guess what? You've been called to be a part of that real deal. You say, not me. No way. And I say, yes way. Listen to Jesus. New Testament, unequivocal, you've been called to be a part of that generation. In fact, I want to run some text by you, just as proof. Grab your study guide. We've got a new season, new study guide, pull it out. It's in your worship bulletin. You didn't get a study guide because you didn't get a worship bulletin. Hold your hand up. Here come our friendly ushers. They'll be happy to put a study guide in your hand. I want everybody up here to get one. Did you get a study guide up here? Excellent. Okay. Up in the balcony. Hold your hand up. Here they come. And those of you who are watching right now, wherever in the world you are, live streaming, we're delighted you're here. We want you to have the same study guide. And so let me put a website on the screen for you. You'll see it in just a moment. There it is, www.pmchurch.tv. That's our website. You're looking for a new little three-parter mini-series beginning right now, How to Be More Like Jesus. The title today, The Impossible Dream. You may think it's impossible what Christ is calling you to become. You may think it's impossible, but listen to how clear the call is. So let me, run some, let, me, let me just run some lines by you, all right? 
Everybody has a study guide all the way to the back? Good. Let's go. I want to, I want to give you that Devonish uh, quote again because that's worth keeping. You want to take that one home. Let's put it on the screen. Fill it in, please. Every Christian generation has produced two kinds of Christians, the common ordinary garden variety and those who have discovered the deeper life. Write in those two words, the deeper life. Those who have discovered the deeper life. Some call this deeper life entire sanctification. Others call it baptism with the Spirit. Whatever label, it reflects a deep experience. Would you write it in, please? A deep experience of Christ-likeness. A deep experience of Christ-likeness. An impossible dream? <laughs> Not if you're listening to Jesus. He apparently believes it is very possible. Take a look at this. Just, just think of the logic of Jesus' call. Whenever Jesus called somebody in the Gospels, two words in the English, three words in the Greek. Comes to some, some fishermen brothers, two sets of brothers. He uses the two words. He comes to a prostitute, two words. He comes to a tax collector, two words. Pharisee, two words. Centurion, two words. The first time they appear is Matthew 4, 19. Jot it down. What are the two words? Tell me. Follow me. That's it. Follow me. Whatever you do, I want you to follow me. You just come right behind me. You follow me. Now, this, this, this is a no-brainer, but I need to just kind of get this on the screen. All followers. All followers follow. That's the deal. That's the definition of following. You follow. All followers follow. And you have a Ph.D., you follow. You have no degree, you follow. You make six-figure income, good for you, you follow. You make three-figure income, you follow. You're young, you follow. You're old, you follow. You're in between, you follow. All followers follow. That's what it means to be a follower. You follow. What's it mean to follow, Jesus? You said, follow me. What's it mean to follow? Let's listen to Jesus again. Matthew chapter 10, verse 25. It is enough for students to be, what's the next word? Like. Write that in, please. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. Be like. That's what it means to follow. You just be like. What's hard to figure out about that? You just be like the one you follow. That's what, it, that's what happens. When you follow, you, you're like the one you follow. In fact, Jesus says this on the eve of his execution. He'll be dead in less than 24 hours. Thursday night in the upper room, John 13, verse 15. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. Jot that down, please. As I have done. You do it. That's what it means to follow. Just do what I do. Follow me. Do what I do. I repeat, this is not rocket science. To be a follower means to follow. If you're a follower of Muhammad, you follow Muhammad. If you're a follower of Beyonce, you follow Beyonce. I didn't say, I didn't say, uh, What's her name? Miley Cyrus. No, I, I did not say Miley Cyrus. Your follower of Justin Bieber? You're a follower of Justin Bieber. Come on, please. You're a follower of Barack Obama? You're kind of a political junkie? You're a follower of him? That's, you're a follow, you follow Barack Obama. You're a follower of LeBron James? Hey, you're a follower of LeBron James. All followers follow. You're a follower of American Idol? Whew. All followers follow. You're a follower of Jesus, you, you follow Jesus. And by the way, the, the, the unique thing about most following is that we tend to become like whoever it is we have chosen to follow. We just kind of become like. Sometimes we dress alike. Sometimes we act alike. 
Get that little swagger, just like he does. Get that language. All followers, follow. New Testament picks right up where Jesus left off. This is great. I just want to run a few of these. It's replete. It's woven all the way through the New Testament. Let me just give you a few samples. Uh, what, what is this one? 1 John 2, 6. Jot this down, will you? 1 John 2, 6. Whoever says, I abide in Jesus, ought to walk just as he walked. You want to follow? You walk just as he walked. What does that mean to walk? I mean, Rodley, I heard your prayer just a moment ago, and you, you prayed, God, like, like it says in Genesis 5, like, Enoch, may we walk with you. <laughs> What's that mean? It means you live as he lived. In fact, the NIV, let's put the NIV up for the same verse. Whoever claims to live in Jesus must live as Jesus did. That's what it means. We're not dealing with rocket science. If you consider yourself a follower, you follow. That's what you do. Let me give you another one. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. It's all over the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, jot this down. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow. Jot it down. In his steps. What does it mean to follow? You just follow in his steps. I love snow. And I remember when Kirky and uh, Chrissy were little, we'd go out, you know, he'd make the snowman and all, that, all of that fun that you have with dads and moms and kids. They're out there in their little snowsuits, just so, so tight, they can hardly move. And I go walking through the snow, and I turn around, and they'd be doing it. I'm telling you the truth. You know what they'd be doing? Trying to put their feet in the very same footprint that Daddy has put his feet. Follow. When you, because when you follow, you just go in, in his steps. You're walking on a beach, you do the same thing. You just follow. You stay in the steps. So Peter says, he's left you an example that you can follow in his steps. And what happens when you follow close behind someone? What happens? Whoa. James Dobson, the great uh, family uh, advocate. Whatever happened to James Dobson? Anybody hear of him anymore? He retired, I know, but I, I guess focus on the family is still going. But James Dobson used to love to tell the story about this dad and his little boy, three years old, whatever. They're sitting in the car in the parking lot waiting for mom. Everybody knows what that's like, you know, waiting for mom to come out of that store. So father does. I don't know why we men are this way, but we just do it. To be a man, you got to do this. So father just rolls the window down and he expectorates, which is a euphemism for spit. I know you ladies, you didn't know that, but uh, that's just, it's just, it's just inbred in the man. Little boy. So the father said, well, I'm through that. He's starting to put the window up when he hears a gurgling sound coming on the other side of him. And before he can turn around, that little boy has figured out exactly what to do, and he's looking in the same direction Daddy looked when he did it. Warm spittle from that toddler all over Dad's neck. Now, Dobson tells the story to make an unmistakable point. You know what the point is. Be very careful. Be very careful, Daddy, what you do in front of your children. They're watching. Got some young dads here. I love to see young dads. They're watching. They're watching. Be very careful. Because that's what happens. When you follow somebody, you imitate them. Don't you? Of course. Children with parents, disciples with a master, imitation. In fact, I have, a, I have a little book in my library. It's a classic. It's written in the late, late uh, 
1400s, written by a man named Thomas Akempis. Thomas from Kempis. Title of the book, The Imitation of Christ. I pulled the book out this last week. I was just going through it. I'd read it before, and I said, wow, this, this, is, this, is, this is stirring. Let me put a, put a sentence from uh, Thomas. It means Thomas from Kempis. Uh, put it on the screen for you. Thomas writing just about 30 years before Martin Luther, 95 uh, Theses. Thomas, let us therefore see that we endeavor beyond all else to meditate on the life of Jesus Christ. Anyone who wishes to understand and to savor the words of Christ to the full must try to make his whole life conform. That's what imitation is. You, you, you conform to whatever that example is. He must make, she must make her whole life conform to the pattern of Christ's life. You know, there's some people that get a little bit antsy when, when you talk about this, this idea of imitation, this, this being like Jesus. Some people... They become nervous simply because there's this fear that this imitation might somehow supplant the centrality of Christ with this narcissistic sort of, I can do this all myself. And I understand that fear. But I believe it's unwarranted. In the light of the New Testament call, I believe we don't have to let that fear hold us back. Because, really, it's a good thing. It's a good thing when children imitate their parents. It's a God thing. That's what God intended. That's how kids learn. You, you follow your father. You follow. You imitate your mother. In fact, the human has been created not to lead, but to follow. We are all followers. I don't care who you are. You say, I don't follow everybody. Anybody. Everybody follows me. You're crazy. We are all followers. We've been created to follow. I mean, the Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. Why? Because we just follow whoever comes along. So we don't need to be nervous about this, this, this idea of imitation. The New Testament's unmistakable point, it's okay to watch Jesus like a hawk and then imitate him, follow him. Let me put uh, Devinish's words back up on the, on the screen for you. Every Christian generation has produced two kinds of Christians, the common, ordinary, garden variety, and those who have discovered the deeper life, a life that reflects a deeper experience of Christ-likeness. I mean, come on, we used to sing this song and... As a kid, you used to sing it growing up. How's that song go? Be like Jesus, this my song, in the home and in the throng. Be like Jesus all day long. Yeah. By the way, that's not only Devinish's point, that's Ellen White's point. I may mean, I put her words on the screen? Jesus' beautiful and spotless character is before us as an example for us to imitate. There's that word again. We must study, copy, and follow Jesus Christ. Then we shall bring His loveliness and beauty into our character. You know what? I wish you'd put a circle around those three words. We must study and copy and follow Christ. Then we shall bring His loveliness and beauty into our character. Let me give you one more. That little book, That I May Know Him. Christ is our pattern, the perfect and holy example that has been given to us to follow. We can never equal the pattern. I don't get this idea. We just go running around. Now, we're little Christ. Little Christ, we, we are... No, 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 no. We can never equal the pattern, but we may imitate... We may imitate and resemble it according to our ability. That's what happens when you follow. You imitate whom you follow. And so, we began with this line, Revelation 14, verse 4. We come full circle to it as we end. These are they who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. It's a big deal. It's a very big deal in this book and for the Lord Jesus 
for us to follow, for followers to follow. And you know what? I'm praying as we, we, we go flying into this new semester, I'm praying that it'll be a very big deal on this campus as well. I mean, why not? I just want to share my heart with you here. I am concerned living as you and I are at this, at this juncture in time. I'm concerned for a generation. By the way, when I say generation, I'm not talking about teenagers only or young adults or I, I just mean all of us who live in this new year. I'm concerned for a generation that in my, in my perspective is being bombarded with an alternative universe of models, of heroes, of idols, of gods. I mean, come on. It's, just, it's almost like this full-court blitz that's going on, on our senses, auditorially, uh, visually. This effort to, to transplant in front of us an alternate universe, a worldview, an alternate culture, that is diametrically, maybe even diabolically, opposed to what Jesus stands for. Come on. We're not, you're not kidding me and I'm not kidding you. We all are bombarded with that every single day, professionally, privately, personally. And I'm wondering what, what it will take, dear God, to raise up a generation like the apocalypse describes here in Revelation 14 that follows the Lamb wherever He goes. What will it take to raise up the young? Yeah, of course the young. The middle-aged, of course. It's not going to be compartmentalized. It'll have to be an entire generation. What will it take to raise up a generation that is willing to follow the leader? And I mean follow. Imitate. Be like him. I flew out on uh, Thursday. It was a quick trip out to Monterey to, to uh, preach Thursday night, a prayer conference. 700 pastors and spouses, people who are saying, hey, come on, what can we do in this new year? We talked about Isaiah 43. Uh, Pastor Rodley mentioned this in his prayer moment ago. Isaiah 43. Behold, I will do a new thing. I will pour water on those who are thirsty. I'll pour floods on the dry ground. I'll pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. And I thought, you know, I, was, I thought, I thought about that circle right there. I said, God, we got this circle that's hanging in Pioneer. Look at all those names on that, on that circle. That's the freshman class, almost all of them. Opening Friday night, University of Vespers. Why'd they put their names on that uh, white circle? Because we said, hey, listen, let's get into the circle together. And let's tell God we're not getting out of the circle till you make us the moral leaders that you need to be. In order for God to do a new thing, though, here's the deal. Uh, we've thought about this before, but now we've got to shift. We've got to shift our focus. In order for God to do a new thing, we've got to, we've got to follow the leader. We've got to be willing to be like the master. And I'm thinking... If it were just those on this campus, and I know it's not, but if it were only they, 
think of what God could do on this planet with that many who are willing to follow. What does it mean to be a follower? You follow. How? Two simple ways. Jot these down, and then I want to, I want, I, I want to teach you a beautiful new song, and then we'll leave. Yeah, I love this song. But jot these down. So how do we follow? Number one, simple. Just make the decision. You're going to get up a bit earlier in the morning so that you can jot this down. Be alone with Him daily. It's just, there's no other way to do it. It's just this being alone with Him daily. So how do I do that, Dwight? We've shared this so many times. Uh, when the Connect card comes by, you have a chance to uh, scribble an email address down, and I'll send you something, how to do it. Two simple ways. Number one, to be alone with Him daily, and number two, be, be with Him with others weekly. That's number two. Be alone with Him daily. Be with Him and others weekly. And I'm pulling out of uh, our worship bulletin today a brand-new Grow Groups calendar. This catalog, I tell you why I'm jazzed about this catalog, 75 different, this is the most grow groups we've ever had, but 75 different grow groups touching on every interest you can imagine. And the whole point of these grow groups is simple. Every grow group is designed for people who want to be followers of Christ. And so it's, it's designed to build into the follower the, 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 the values of following Jesus. Every group. You know, I got a, about a couple weeks before... Uh, these grow groups, three weeks before these grow groups begin. But I wish you would take just a thoughtful uh, sometime this afternoon and just read through these 75. Is there a grow group? These are, what, 15 to 20 people. I mean, just uh, 10 weeks, and then, and, and then you're never together again. But 10 weeks of joining together with a common interest and the desire, hey, listen, can we, out of this interest, can we, how can we, how can we follow Him? How can we go deeper with Him? In just a moment, when, they, when we uh, take the Connect card, you may have already been through this in the, in the moments before this one, and you, you're ready to go. Be ready to jot it down. Although, I tell you what, the best way to, to uh, register for one of these grow groups is online. We can read your handwriting online. You just say, hey, here's the number. I want to join a group that shares the value of going deeper with Christ. But there's a song. Before we, before we get to the Connect card, there is a song that my, my, my friend Sherry Davis, our executive assistant, my executive assistant, listening to Pandora one day here in the office, and she heard this song. She said, this can't be. So she went and found the song. She ran the music off for me. I, I uh, heard this song, and I said, this is incredible. I never heard the song before. I, I predict you haven't either. But I want you to, we'll sing it just these three times that we're, we're together for this little mini-series, but I want my friends uh, Matthew and Alana to come out. And I want you to listen to the song. In fact, the words are at the, at the tail end of your uh, study guide. It's just a beautiful prayer. You're going to be humming it. You're going to eventually learn these words. But it's a prayer about this following the Lamb wherever He goes. Listen carefully. And then we'll, then, then we'll sing it together. We'll pull out the group, uh, the... Um, Connect card, and we'll go. Thank you, Matt. I'll sing through the, the first verse and the chorus so that you guys get a feel for it, and then I'd like you all to join as we sing this beautiful song. A 
John in our minds, our spirits, our lips, our hearts. I want to, we want to sing uh, with Matthew in just a minute, but if you take your Connect card, let me do this now. Pull out your Connect card in your worship bulletin. I guess we're delighted to have you today. When we come to the end of a teaching, we, we take this card, and if you don't mind just filling out, if you're new here, just enough demographic information that you're comfortable with. If you want something that's available, if you wouldn't mind scribbling your email address on there as well. We'll send that to you. But it's the next step. What, what next steps do we take? This, this introductory moment together in Scripture. Turn the card around. We call this our next step side of the card. Box number one, my next step today is I want to be more like Jesus. I can't imagine any of us not wanting to put a check mark there. Box number two, I want to spend more time with him each day. Send me the link to a new way to pray. You know, this following business, it's what we behold, we become. It's just a law of life. It doesn't matter what. What we behold, we become. You want to find a way to put that, up, that, that uh, law of life into operation, there's a, a fresh new way. You want that new way? If you'll make sure your email address is on the front of the card, we will send that to you through cyberspace. And finally, talking about these grow groups, number three, I want to join a grow group and be with others who want to be like him. The whole point of grow groups is for followers to follow. Do that in the context. Don't do it alone. Do it with others who share your values. So you've already looked at the grow groups. One, two, three. Go ahead and submit three suggestions. You can do this all online. Three suggestions in case one closes. You've still got uh, a chance at those other two. Fill that out. And I'm going to invite the ushers to stand. Then we're going to sing with Matthew and Ilana. I want to sing that while, while the, the words are still in our mind. But ushers, let's stand. Let's ask God to take these these commitments. Oh, God, like Matthew has just sung, I want to be more like Jesus. This isn't some, some grand enterprise that we announce to the world. But what would happen, Father, if in the quiet of our hearts, those of us here, we, we say, you know, this year, I want to follow. I want to follow the leader, and I want to be like him. I want to imitate him. 
My beholding, I want to be changed into his likeness. You'll have a generation of friends at the end of time for whom that is the passion. And so take our hearts, take our decisions, take these commitments, give us the next step. As we return our morning tithes and offerings as well, bless that act of worship in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, ushers, if you've been come, just guess, just turn your card upside down, drop it on the, drop it in the offering plate, and then let's sing with Matthew. Two stanzas. Now pull your study guide out, or even the words are going to be on the screen as well. Sing together.
And now may the love of the Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide with you and me in the journey ahead. Amen. Hi, I'd like to take a moment to ask for your help. Currently, Pioneer is recording the programs at this website on 15-year-old analog cameras. Over the years, as the television standards have changed, we've adapted our cameras to the new standards. However, we're at the point now of no longer being able to cobble these cameras together. The reason? Because of the television industry's shift to high definition. As you can see, this camera is actually using parts from two separate cameras. In fact, we have some camera operators now who are younger than these cameras. The new high definition standard, or HD, is four times the resolution of our current cameras and employs the industry standard widescreen format. The sensors in these cameras are just not capable of producing that level of picture quality. New cameras are a huge investment for our small ministry, but we feel it's something that needs to be done as some of our major broadcast partners are now planning to shift to this standard. So I'm asking if you'd be willing to help. If the Spirit puts it on your heart, would you be willing to give some extra support to this ministry? Through your gifts, multiplied, I believe, exponentially by God's power, we can reach this end-time generation. So look, the process is simple. Just click on the link there on the website that says make a donation. You can give a single gift, or if you'd like to support us long-term, you can make that gift happen each month. If you'd rather speak with someone instead of using this uh, website, that's fine. Call our friendly operators. Toll-free number, let me put it on the screen here, 877 and the the two words, His will, 877, His will. And by the way, not a single dollar donated to this ministry or this project goes to me. Your gift will go straight to our mission. Thank you for your support. And as always, I hope I'll see you back here again at this site.